0: This is State House News. This podcast is a production of the Center for Community Solutions and features select content from the Hannah News Capital Monitor. For a complete version of State House News, as well as other programs and publications, please visit CommunitySolutions.com. Thank you for joining us. Today is Thursday, February 19th, 2015. The Ohio Department of Developmental Disabilities said recently it wants to close developmental centers, or DCs, in the Dayton area and Youngstown, citing declines in numbers of Ohioans with disabilities served by the centers. Unions representing workers there quickly objected, citing the effect on displaced clients and employees. The decision to close two DCs was not made easily, and much thought was given to selecting which centers to close. Because the number of people living in state-operated DCs has declined by more than 40% during the last eight years, and will continue to decrease by about 90 people each year, it no longer makes sense to continue operating 10 centers, DODD Director John Martin stated in the department's newsletter. The Montgomery Developmental Center and Youngstown Developmental Center would close by June 30, 2017, under the administration's plans, while eight other state centers would remain open. A formal announcement is expected February 20th, but the newsletter said Martin told staff, residents, and families about the plans on Tuesday, February 10th. The department said it will develop a personalized transition plan for all residents. The Ohio Civil Service Employees Association said it was outraged by the closing plan. It said the state had aggressively downsized the developmental centers already and noted that many center residents are among the most profoundly disabled individuals, while others have come from the criminal justice system after being deemed not competent to stand trial. At a time when there are more than 40,000 individuals with disabilities on a waiting list for services, how can you justify eliminating those very services individuals so desperately need? Said Gina Campolo, a direct care worker at Mount Vernon Developmental Center and the statewide OCSEA leader for employees of DODD, in a statement, serve the people languishing on the waiting list, leave our individuals alone. These Service Employees International Union District 1199, which represents 27 employees at the centers, also asked the administration to reverse course. We are deeply concerned about the future of quality services for Ohioans with developmental disabilities if Governor Kasich continues to move forward with the closure of these facilities that serve so many in the community, said Josh Norris, Public Division Director, For the Service Employees International Union, District 1199, in a statement, workers at these facilities provide exceptional care and services to their clients, and closing these centers is the wrong path forward. We urge Governor Kasich and Director Martin to reconsider the closures of these facilities and to do what is in the best interest of quality care and services, not what looks good on the balance sheets of the state budget, said Norris. We urge clients, their families, and concerned community members to join us in calling on elected leaders to stop the disruption of services and care to Ohioans with disabilities in these communities. Correctional Institution Inspection Committee Chief Joanna Saul commended the Ohio Department of Youth Services, or DYS, and Ohio Department of Rehabilitation, or DRC, this week for nationally recognized reforms in solitary confinement, otherwise known as restrictive housing, involuntary confinement, or seclusion, DYS's preferred terminology— The practice has seen a 64.8% drop among incarcerated youth in two years, based on figures for 2014. Last year, DYS moved, with the strong encouragement of the U.S. Department of Justice, to significantly limit its use of seclusion, Saul said Wednesday in a statement accompanying CIIC's six-page report. Despite the loss of the sanction, DYS reports that acts of violence have actually decreased. The percentage decrease represents 121,550 fewer reported hours of confinement, the report notes, though the figure per incarcerated youth, 152.8 hours, represents a slightly more modest 57.3% decrease. That is a recovery from 2013, when youth seclusion actually exceeded numbers from 2012. Under DYS standard operating procedure, seclusion is the brief and voluntary confinement of a youth alone in his or her own room or in a safe room. Of DYS's three surviving institutions, Circleville Juvenile Correctional Facility in 2014 posted the highest rate of solitary confinement per youth 255.8 hours, and the largest number of total confinement hours, 32,492, roughly half of all youth seclusion hours in DYS. At the same time, Circleville also had the largest percentage drop in total confinement hours for a 59% decrease. The state reached a settlement with the U.S. Department of Justice last year to reduce youth seclusion in DYS. In addition, Saul recently credited DRC Director Gary Moore with the humane use of solitary confinement, generally referred to as segregation in the adult prison system. You can be proud to know that both adult and juvenile correctional departments in Ohio have been on the forefront nationally for positive change in restrictive housing, Saul said Wednesday. CIIC's 2015 report on DYS seclusion can be found online. packaged enticingly in colorful bottles and flavors such as Space Jam, Fruit Loops, and Bubblegum, and smelling so good Liquid nicotine, which is used in e cigarettes, poses a lethal threat to young children, Senator Shannon Jones said Thursday as she announced the introduction of Senate Bill 54 to require it to be sold in child proof containers. Jones made the announcement at a State House news conference where she was joined by Rick Spiller of Nationwide Children's Hospital, Dr. Amy Dybel of Pediatric Associates, and Melissa Worvey Arnold of the American Academy of Pediatrics. The first death occurred in December in New York, when a young child died as a result of ingesting a half teaspoon of the substance, Jones said. That is one death too many when it can be prevented. She went on to say that poison control centers are seeing a huge increase in the number of calls regarding children's ingesting liquid nicotine. While the Food and Drug Administration, or FDA, has issued proposed regulations that would deem liquid nicotine a product subject to tobacco regulatory authority, there is currently no plan to require liquid nicotine to be sold in child-resistant containers, Jones explained. Given the toxicity of the substance, she called this a common-sense approach to protect Ohio's children. She said parents are telling emergency room doctors that they had no idea how dangerous liquid nicotine is. Diebel said that it is particularly appealing to children under five who are curious and on the move. Often, the bottles are just left sitting around. Three other states have enacted similar legislation to provide safeguards for children from the product, including Vermont, Minnesota, and Illinois. Spiller pointed out that liquid nicotine had one time been sold as pesticide. Now it's on our shelves with added flavoring. Some happenings from the week of February 9, 2015. Tax Commissioner Joe Testa testified on Governor John Kasich's latest tax code overhaul contained in House Bill 64 to the House Finance Committee on Thursday, selling it as a balanced package and trying to anticipate lawmakers' concerns about consumption tax regressivity, raising energy taxes amid falling oil prices, and asking more from large corporations that employ hosts of Ohioans. Kasich's proposal would reduce income taxes by 23% over the biennium, eliminate income tax for small businesses organized as pass-through entities and earning $2 million or less, and boost personal exemptions for filers earning less than $80,000 per year. It also raises the state's sales tax. Secretary of State John Husted testified Thursday before a joint hearing of the U.S. House Subcommittee on National Security and Subcommittee on Health Care, Benefits, and Administrative Rules to share his concerns over recent executive actions by President Barack Obama on immigration. Husted had earlier sent a letter to Obama saying the president's immigration accountability executive actions may give millions of non-citizens access to valid forms of identification used to register to vote, allowing more to illegally register and cast a ballot and the Ohio Healthy Food Financing Task Force called for state and local policymakers to prioritize healthy food retail development in underserved communities as it released a list of policy recommendations on Thursday that included the creation of the Healthy Food Financing Fund. The recommendations seek to address the barriers to healthy food retailers doing business in low-income areas. And, finally, some notable quotes from around Capitol Square. We pay him too much as it is. State Board of Education President Tom Gunlock, during a discussion of meal per diems after someone asked if Superintendent Richard Ross gets meal reimbursements. Monroe County was one of two counties that didn't vote for the governor. That's not part of the formula, is it? Representative Jack Sarah asking budget director Tim Keane about projections that show funding losses for the Switzerland of Ohio School District, which covers Monroe County. I guess anytime Congress agrees to do something, we should celebrate. Sarah speaking in support of House Bill 19, to incorporate changes in the Federal Internal Revenue Code into Ohio law. Thank you for joining us. Please visit www.communitysolutions.com for more information and other publications.